This is Welcome to the Narthex, a weekly podcast from Langley Emanuel Christian Reformed Church. The Narthex is the gathering place between the sanctuary and the world outside. For the curious to journey in and for the disciple to journey out. Whether you're a member of our church family or just peeking in for the first time, we're here to continue the conversation, explore ideas, and build connections. No frills, just real talk about faith. Welcome to the Narthex, where faith meets real life, one conversation at a time. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Narthex. We are grateful that you are joining us here today. We are located at Langley Emanuel CRC in what is becoming one of the warmest rooms in all of Langley. Uh, Happy to be bringing this podcast to you and to just sit here and chat. I am with two of my dear friends, uh, and they are going to introduce themselves right now. I am Joshua. I run the Iron Alts Ministry. My name is Chris. I'm lead pastor here. And my name is Kevin. I am the youth pastor here. This is a podcast where we just get to sit together and talk about faith and God and whatever else comes across this table. Uh, And we hope that this is something that is both encouraging to you, but also something that you can consider modeling at your dinner tables or in your small groups as you discuss faith, as you discuss sermons, uh, as you discuss church and life together. So join us as we discuss things. Before we get into the content of this podcast, Josh, what were you up to this weekend? It was your uh, birthday, Josh. I Remember know, you it, went to a big concert? Yeah, it was my birthday. Thanks, Chris. Uh, and I went to a Toby Mac concert in Ab- Abbotsford, which was awesome. Was it a good concert? I I mean, like, he's still got a lot of energy for being, he's getting up there in age. He's older than us, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. in his 50s. That yeah. Is, yeah. But he's he's still dancing. For you listeners who are in your 50s, you're not old. Toby Mac's not old. He's still putting on concerts, but they uh, are older than us. Corey Asbury was there. Oh, I like Corey. Yeah. He sang Reckless Love, which was fun. Yeah. Um, and Taylor Layton. Um, she I'm... sings the song, uh, Though the Mounds Move Into the Sea. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, so. shall, I shall have to listen to that and later. I don't know her. I don't The think. great and powerful Mac Powell. Nice. <laughs> so. Yeah. Nice. That's why you went. It was for Mac Powell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big Mac Powell guy. He's got a poster <laughs> in his office. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Chris, what were you up to this weekend? Uh, this weekend was family day. So we did a lot uh, with family and connecting with people. Um, but more fun than that, for me, we had a group of friends and uh, who are also pastors in the Christian Reformed Church. Kevin, you were there. Come over to our house on Sunday night. Uh, and we had a great time. Lots of laughter, lots of life together, and um, shared some cocktails and some good food and really enjoyed our time. Chris served cheese, so it was always going to be a good night. <laughs> Oh, it was very fun. It was good to hang out with uh, with friends and colleagues and just enjoy each other's time that way. How about you? What were you up to? Yeah, I, my parents from Edmonton are in town. They came Saturday evening, uh, so the last couple of days they've been here, and we played some baseball in the park with the kids, a few games, um, just kind of enjoyed more of a relaxed but a very intentional and good family day on Monday, which was nice. Excellent. Yeah. Chris, on Sunday, we opened up the Book of Romans again. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, overview of this passage from Romans 12 that you looked at? So we, of course, are uh, digging deep into the book of Romans, and this Sunday we continued. So we were in Romans 12, verse 9 to 21, which uh, really 
spells out, I think with a bunch of specificity, what it means to live life in the body together and then to live life as the body out in the world. And so we kind of put it under the banner of being Christian because of the gospel redefines our relationships. First, the relationship that you have to God is redefined, and Paul really does the legwork of that in the first half of Romans. And then our relationship to each other as brothers and sisters in the body is redefined and given a lot of uh, context uh, wherein to live and how to live that relationship out. And then in the second part of our text, uh, we started looking at the relationships that we have as believers to the unbelieving world or to the places and the context that we find ourselves living together. Yeah, and I, what I loved about it is, and I mean, Romans has been doing this the whole time, but there's just this obvious thread, especially in Romans 12 here. The last three times we've opened it, um, it starts with, hey, Jesus did this, and that's wonderful. Um, we have renewed minds. Do not conform to this world. Like, our lives have changed because of everything Jesus did. And then the second is, because of that, belong to the body. Be humble. Go be a part of a church. Go serve that church. And as you do that, serve in love and love your community. And we'll get into all of the different loves that came out of that sermon. But there's just such a, in my mind, it's such an obvious thread leading to, mm-hmm. uh, leading through, sorry, that text, um, mm-hmm. which is great to, great to see. And, and like you said, dissect and pick apart. Well, and what's really cool is because we did a Bible study in Corinthians and in every single point that Paul makes throughout Corinthians and in Romans is he always brings it back to the most important commandments of love God and love your neighbor. Love, love vertically, love him, and then also love his people, his body. Which Jesus said, yeah. right? When he got, yeah. or when someone tried to trap him or confuse mm-hmm. him, right? He's just like, love, love God, love your neighbor. All of the commandments are those two. Yeah. Are those two commands. And Paul's doing a similar thing here in Romans. He starts highlighting it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, actually, in Corinthians, it's funny because um, it's not funny. It's good. It follows a similar thing to Romans 12 here. Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12 is a similar thing. It talks about this is what God did. Be a part of the body mm-hmm. and go in love. And that's mm-hmm. Corinthians 12 and 13 follows the very similar path yeah. that way. Even using the same language and... Um, yeah. Last week we looked at it, right? There's a gift list that's kind of given in there that if you're part of the body, the Holy Spirit has included you and given certain members of the body these particular gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 um, builds on that list is one of the other places where you actually get a defined list of gifts as well. Um and so, it, and it shouldn't surprise us. No. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul kind of knows what he's doing, right? Yeah, this and the Holy even, Spirit, even more than that, yeah. is tying all of these things together. This in isn't the inspiration. even. It's not even formula writing. It's just good theology. Like this is just <laughs> the, the way that it works. Like, well, yeah. Well, and it's like you said before. It's all the laws come into this. These two points, and that's why in every aspect of Paul's teaching is like the beginning of First Corinthians. The church is divided. Well, is that what a church that loves each other does or loves God? No. What happens if a church is too focused on specific individuals that are good teachers? Is is that loving each other or is that loving God? No. If Are you getting into arguments over food sacrifice to idols and causing your brother to stumble? Is that loving each other or is that loving God? No. <laughs> and it's the same 
metric every single time. Well, and I think this is maybe a good, well, not shift here, but let's hone in on this a little bit because mm-hmm. the word love gets tossed around a ton these days. Uh, people love everything from ice cream to their mom to their favorite soap opera to, you know, anyone who agrees with them. But that's not necessarily the love that we're getting at here. And Chris, your sermon on Sunday highlighted four mm-hmm. very, very important ones that sort of stack on each other. And maybe it's worth revisiting that for a second. So I think it's important. Um, the text begins just by saying love must be sincere. Um, and in fact, that's kind of in the English translations. Um, there's one other place, be devoted to one another in love. But uh, that's the only place where you get a, a very clear reading in English of love, but the text itself actually uh, revisits this idea of what love is and what love looks like and how the body is shaped by love at least four times in there. Um, and so starting with that, love must be sincere. Um, the word used there is agape, and it's the same word that Paul uses to talk about the love that God has for the church that is made available in Christ Jesus, right? And uh, this is the love that that moved God to act in redemption, and it's the love of God in Christ Jesus that we can never be separated from in Romans 8. Yeah, I, I, agape, I think, for anyone who is a new believer, maybe that, that word is, is new and we haven't heard, but I think for anybody who's who's been a believer for a certain chunk of time, that's sort of the, the, the Greek word of love that we're familiar with, but maybe we don't, like, imprint on our hearts fully. Yeah, and so, re- like, people often say agape love is the unconditional love of God made known through the life, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus. It's the the love that makes salvation possible. And so when we then are invited to love sincerely, um, we are invited to reflect that same love. And so when we talk about being Christian is having our relationships redefined. First, it's that agape love of God that comes down to us and changes us, transforms us by the renewing of our minds. And then we are called to live that same love out, uh, to love sincerely or unhypocritically, it says in the text. Well, I think maybe we should chat about that too a little bit. Unhypocritically, um, that is, and you did an excellent job on Sunday, Christians are viewed as hypocrites, and in many ways, rightfully so. Um, and I'm not here to slam Christians or anything, um, because I am one. <laughs> but the reality is people look at Christianity, and this is wrong, but they look at Christianity as a list of morals that no human can keep. And so if Christians are supposed to be these people that are, you know, people of the book, you should be following all these commandments and you slip up. It's very easy to accuse us of being hypocrites. And again, maybe rightfully so, because we are all sinners. But then how do we go into this world and love unhypocritically if we can acknowledge that, yeah, by definition, we, we are all hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites because honestly, everyone is a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I tried to make this point clear on, on Sunday, but I think that's really one, the confession you know, I act hypocritically is is absolutely true. And I need to recognize that. And that ought to humble me in the presence of others. But two, I also want us to understand very clearly that I am not a hypocrite. 
in that I am no longer defined by my sin. I'm no longer defined by my slavery to that old person. I have been set free by Jesus Christ. And that's the difference, though, because because it's Jesus' action mm-hmm. on our lives that frees us from that hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. That's hard to know if you do not believe in Jesus or understand that. Still, from the outside looking in, yeah. that is that, that wall is still up. Um, one of my favorite like church signs that I've ever seen was at a Lutheran church, and it was, of course, there's hypocrites in the church. Bugs are attracted to the light. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but it's that it's that idea of like if this is the place where sinners go, you're going to find sin yep. in that place. Yep. But to move past that into love requires vulnerability. Requires you both in a situation to go, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Let's help each other. Yep. Well, and and here's the thing, if if Christianity is about redefined relationships, mm-hmm. all relationships require risk. Yeah. All relationships require a willingness to be vulnerable and the possibility of being hurt. It actually reminds me a little bit, you know, the saying like, um, uh, you haven't earned my trust, mm-hmm. right? We talk about trust mm-hmm. as something that needs to be earned. But in that light, that's actually not the right way to look at trust. Trust isn't earned, it's given. If yeah. trust has to be earned, it's entirely possible they'll never do that because of unmet expectations or the wrong expectations mm-hmm. people are putting on things. Yeah. Well, it's actually the, it is the freedom of knowing that betrayal will come that allows you to trust them in love. It's because we're sinners, I know eventually something bad is going to happen. But because of that, it frees me to love as much as I can. And it takes away elevating that other person. They have to meet this, they have to meet this mark in order for me to give that to them. That is the opposite of this kind of, that's, that's hip, that's Mm -hmm. What's the unhypocritically? Oh. So that's hypocritical love. Can, uh, nailed it. Can we change the statement? I don't love because they earned it. I love because he earned it. Oh, man. Oh, There's man. your church line, Josh. <laughs> that sounds like a 90s church line, Josh. Yeah. You're too young for that. I mean, I was born in 97. So when we look at loving unhypocritically then, uh, Chris, we talked about agape now, but there's four there's four loves that move in the middle of this passage that roll through and they kind of stack on each other. They do. And so because of the agape love of God that we are are called to live out sincerely, unhypocritically, um, Paul then moves and says, be devoted, which is another one of the love words. That's Philadelphia. Um, So philo is another Greek word or philo, depending on um, which part of Greece you're from. I'm going to say that like I know that actually (laughs) means something. Um, But that's another word for love. Uh, And then adelphoi is the word for brothers. And so here we're talking about brotherly love. Um, You are made into brothers and sisters because of God's agape love. And Paul talked about this earlier in Romans that we've been adopted as sons and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This is this is our new identity as being part of the body, right? And so there's three sort of dominant images that Paul uses in his writing for the church. You've got the body, you've got a family, and you've got the bride. This is getting at that family one, that we are mm-hmm. brothers and sisters together because of Christ. Yeah, and and 
he I mean, he doesn't make up words, but he uses some unique words in this stretch of text. Uh, and you identify those. Josh, you're a big Greek guy right now. You're in like Greek, too. Josh right now is taking Greek for adults like extreme. And I just finished Greek for dummies. And so some of this resonates with me. But Josh, uh, Josh, you're like you're right into all of this when you see these words, aren't you? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the you were saying that this is where we get the word devotion from because the Delphia is where we get devotion from. See, this is yeah. why we bring Josh to these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, next, like next on the list is the love of family. Philos uh, Storgia, right? That's your writing is. It's awesome. Yeah. Storge. Storge. Yeah. Um, depending on the. The tense ending on Correct. the end. Yeah. Which is the love of family, which is also, again, because it uses the word phylos in the beginning of the word, it's like a double love mm -hmm. phylos and then storgia, love of family. Um, and it's the love of family comes from that hospitality, right? Next one. The next one. Yeah. So hospitality, when it says practice hospitality, yeah. the word hospitality is the fourth yes. love. Okay. Um, and that's uh, phylozenia. Yeah. Um, and that's the compound of phylo and uh, xenos, which means strangers or yeah. nations. See, we're all learning things. Yeah, it's great. In Greek. <laughs> I think one thing that I loved too, before we kind of pick at those and see how they work together. Again, Chris, on Sunday, you talked about how, like, hospitality is never listed as a gift, but it's something all of us should mm. seek to do. Now, that is, you had the caveat, and this is true. There are people who are better at it. There are people that are more gifted, perhaps, at doing mm -hmm. it. But that's not to say that those people should be the ones being hospitable, and the rest of us can just let them do that because it's getting done by the church. We all need to be seeking to do this. Do you think that's because the spiritual gifts are oftentimes for the edification of the church and hospitality is for the edification of the stranger. Well, that would be an interesting line to pursue. I think, um, not that it, the hospitality is not empowered by the spirit, but right. that, right. Yeah, or, yeah, that yeah. Is, or that hospitality can still edify the body. That is yeah. also true. Yeah. And so like the spirit gives gifts for mm -hmm. the edification of the church and there are particular mm -hmm. gifts that the scriptures list. And I mean, you could have a different kind of debate that um, mm -hmm. are only the gifts listed in scripture as gifts of the spirit. Are they the only ones or is the scripture able to act outside of what we have yeah. listed? That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. For what it's worth, I think none of the lists listed in scripture are exhaustive. So there are more <laughs> lists, there are more gifts that were not listed that you could include in that. But scripture is what we've got. And so those, right. those lists yeah, sure. are perfect frameworks yeah. of that. Well, and so the, the, I guess we're getting into a little bit. Yeah, but we're the, doing the, it because I wanted to. The, the caveat or the, the counter to that, right, would be um, that does, people have other gifts, but they're not necessarily gifts of the spirit. They're just part of what it means to be mm -hmm. human, right? right? Part of what it means to be created in the image of God. And, and maybe the Holy Spirit elevates our capacities in those things but that's not the same as one of the the quote special gifts right of mm -hmm. the spirit and well, i think that's the distinction that is that we come back to the lists for and maybe that's a good thing for anyone who's listening but also for us just to sit on and look at a little bit more and think about what are the gifts that are listed what do you have and what gifts do you possess that aren't listed in scripture 
but what gifts do you have that are listed in scripture and how do you use those both for the edification of the body, but also for, um, and maybe we're going to get into this right now to do what we're called to do in philo Zenos. <laughs> nailed it. Philozenia. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and so Philozenia as, as loving strangers. Um, and so what, what I, did on Sunday um, is is you 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 see the through line that starts with the love of God that that transforms us that redefines us into relationship with Him uh, that right relationship with God then impacts the relationships of, with the people we have around us making um, making them into brothers and sisters creating a new family and that family grows by loving strangers. Right, so you you love strangers into brothers and sisters because of the love of Christ, and that's what we're all supposed to do. And so to reverse order it, because chiasms are fun. Like evangelism <laughs> then becomes go and be hospitable to the non-believer, to the stranger, to those mm-hmm. you don't know, so that they will come and be part of the family of God, and eventually become an, an entrenched member of the church and a brother or sister in Christ because they now understand the full love of God the Father. Okay, so what's cool about this, what I think is awesome about this, is that this is, hear me out, this is a the new creation's redoing, retelling of the Eden story. Mm. And so you've got God creates the world, and he creates the garden in the world, and humanity is there. And there's in their love for each other, the, the family and brotherly love that they have for each other because of their love from God, they expand the garden. That's the purpose is to make the whole world of the garden. So that the glory of God is everywhere. Um, humans, as Paul describes, are the temple of God. The garden, the, the temple is designed after the garden of Eden. And so in the love from God down into the church, into the, the family and the brotherly love, we can then love the outside. And through that, the glory of God is brought everywhere because the glory of God is him with his people. That's right. So it's the glory of God is seen in the expanding love Mm -hmm. of God through his people. Because incorporating strangers into family, into brothers. Because the more they get brought in, the more the garden spreads, the more the more temples, (laughs) the more the temple is expanded. I mean, that tracks. Yeah. It's pretty cool imagery. And I mean, yeah. it's not uncommon, of course, for the Bible to repeat and have <laughs> themes throughout it. So, yeah. well, and and you know, I mean, we don't need to get into it much here, but there's a, there's a conversation around church growth movements, mm-hmm. right? And there was a particular version of church growth in, you know, in the '80s and the '90s um, that I think forgot that what it means to be Christian is to love strangers into brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And it took on this idea that what it means is to provide the best consumable product. Well, and I think, and fact check this, everyone, Chris, Josh, you as well. I I remember the data going back five or six years ago suggesting there was this theory that the Western church was dying, like it was becoming no more. Mm -hmm. But in reality, actually, that wasn't true. The Western church wasn't dying, but the the Anglo-Saxon white Western church was, but the multi-ethnic church, the diverse group, or the diverse church that included many members from many other places, many strangers, if you will, was actually growing. 
I don't know yeah. if that data is still true, though. That was five or six years ago. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I do know that the data bears it out um, as sort of um, the white majority culture families get smaller and smaller. That has an impact on churches that predominantly f- reflect the white majority mm-hmm. culture. It gets smaller and smaller so because our growth hasn't um, outpaced the declining birth rates. When you depend on birth rates to keep your church growing, you're going to miss out. Right. Mm-hmm. So that becomes less than about God moving perhaps in the church and more about just the population of that church decreases. Like, I mean, you if could, your you population could... is limited to a particular historic cultural right. expression. And I, and I don't mean to try to, to dive into the middle of why churches are failing mm-hmm. and stuff. I just find that interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, and, and in fact, perhaps even underlines a little bit of why being hospitable to strangers is mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and let me be really clear. I do believe that the future of the Christian church in the West must be multi-ethnic because the West is multi-ethnic. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to reflect where we are. Yeah. I mean, and for people that have been like diving deep into the, the, the what if the apparent depression that is the decline of the church in the West, in the rest of the world, it is growing mm-hmm. so fast to mm-hmm. the, to the dislike of every other group. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in in places too, it, it is growing in our own denomination. Mm-hmm. There's a, a net decrease, but there's um, these really powerful and beautiful pockets of of growth and vitality. Mm-hmm. And um, in our own church, we see some of this, you know, yeah. um, growth and vitality. And so, um, the stories, the the negative stories, are being told from mm-hmm. a particular perspective. They're yeah. not. They're not representative of every perspective and there's also an argument that the that the that the criticisms of new atheism or the other secular groups on the watered down gospel was a pruning effect that it cut off the the cold hearts the worst the our mistakes and that as a result the Christian church in the West is gaining back some of that transcendence that it tried to water down to invite people in. Like you were saying this, the best product to sell. And it's, we're now, there's this movement back to, no, let's, let's present the greatness of God. Let's present the transcendence of God and not just this. Well, and I mean, in in a good way, we've snowballed a a direction here. Mm -hmm. um, And that's not bad at all. I think what's, we live in this post-Christian culture now. Some would mm-hmm. even say post-post-Christian culture now. Um, and in some ways, it's kind of exciting. And that might be a weird thing to say, but because it's not the the power of the church or the authority yeah. of the church anymore that's continuing on, it's going to be just God. Well, like and God has to do it. But this is the this is the point. This brings us back to the final, the fourth love, so to speak, Philozenia, is that the hospitality, the love of the stranger, is not our does not rely and fall or rise with us. Mm. It is not successful because of us and it will not decline because of us. It is successful because it's God working through us. Amen. If we're the body of Christ, it's Christ in us. And so let's, let's, let's tie this off then. Yeah. Um, Because I think we've, we've kind of come full circle in a, in a good Mm -hmm. way here. We're all, we are all called to love in whatever context we find ourselves in. Paul lists out, 
you know, sort of the line, God loves us, we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are part of a family, uh, and we are to be hospitable to the strangers, love the stranger. So if we are all called to love, what are we responsible for? How does this look like? What's a take home that we can take from here um, in maybe a more practical sense? Who wants to jump at that question first? Well, so tracking with Paul's argumentation through the text, um, that community of love that is the church, that is the body, uh, then goes to to live love outward. Um, but that's not going to look like love for people who don't know the love of God, right? And so, like, culturally, there's going to be different ideas about what it means to love someone. Um, when, when we're told to love unhypocritically, to hate what is evil, and to cling to what is good, that's going to fly in the face of a culture that defines evil and good completely different than us because the Holy Spirit hasn't yet renewed those hearts and minds. The Holy Spirit hasn't yet convicted uh, people of, of what they uh, need to confess to God in repentance. We live in a culture that that takes the things that we ought to pray repentance uh, prayers for, and then celebrates them. And that's that's a way of of transferring guilt, right, off of me um, by eliminating its need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when when so the impact of that is I'm going to love in the way that God calls me to love. I'm going to love with the truth that God gives me to to love from. Um, and I have to accept the reality that that's not going to be easy in a world that has exchanged, as Paul says in Romans 1, the truth of God for a lie. And Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say another practical, two practical things that Paul just gives in the text is um, do not take revenge. That's God's job. Mm-hmm. Let, let him do that. Love them. And the ways he says is if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If you're, and if he is thirsty, give him something to drink that if they are there, they need the love of God as much as you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm paraphrasing Jesus, but yeah. he says just as much. He says, love your enemies. Yeah. Like every, anybody can love those who love them. Yeah. Right. And I think that becomes part of the take home too, right? Is as much as we go in with that truth, because that is like Jesus came full of grace and truth. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my point mm-hmm. is we have to come in with that truth. But we also have to come in with that grace. And yeah. Be, be the hands and feet of who Jesus was, and not one or the other. I think sometimes we love to come in full of truth, or sometimes we like to come in full with passive grace. Um, right. But you need to come in with both. Well, and and I mean, it's too easy for us in the world today to think that grace and truth are at odds. But in Jesus, they're, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're never at odds. Right, that grace and truth is incarnated in the God Man Jesus Christ, and so that is what we live out together mm-hmm. as yeah. we're being transformed into His image. And so, as we live in this world and go out and go to seek to love the stranger, love the brother and sister, love the family, the body of Christ, and of course, love God. Uh, what were some moments in mission this week that you may have saw that happen? Actually, Chris, I want to start with you. So this week was the the first Sunday of Lent, and before that was Ash Wednesday. We host uh, an Ash Wednesday Lauds service, which is means sunrise service, and so that um, it's timed out so that as we pray our prayer of confession, entering into the season of Lent, the sun is rising, 
And so in that 30 minutes, we get a microcosm of the 40-day journey of Lent, of the drama of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelations, and we get uh, a microcosm of our lives of faith uh, lived moving out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I, I love the Ash Wednesday service because as part of the liturgy, people come up to the front to receive the imposition of ashes from me as the pastor. Um, and I, I put the, the ash on my thumb and I, I hold my hand to the side of their faith, face. And, and I, I picture myself in that moment as representing the Father, representing God to the person and saying, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then I mark them with the ash. And for me, that's just a beautiful privilege of serving this community of faith as a spiritual leader. It was a beautiful service. And it's not, obviously, Ash Wednesday comes once a year, but we don't do a lot of morning ones, lauds services. And so it is pretty special to do that. Josh, what was the moment in ministry for you this week? Uh, the young adults had the Colossians Bible study on Sunday, which was awesome. We got into chapter two of Colossians and we talked about how, how do Christians live holding Christ in supremacy above all in a religiously pluralistic society? Mm. Um, and what does it mean that one God is superior, that, that, that he is the truth, that he is the one worthy of worship and that nothing else is, um, and how that should change your life compared to if you're just one religion amongst many. And not, um, not naming names, you had some new people there too. Like yeah, it's, a grow it's and, growing. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. That's it was great. awesome. Very exciting. How about you, Kevin? You got a cool story too. Yeah, on Friday, um, here, I'll start with the, I'll have to own this. This was all on me. Um, <laughs> we, the youth ministry was uh, going to join a whole bunch of other churches at sort of a, a worship night guest speaker type thing. And I was told it's Friday night at Mission Central. And so I was like, oh, that's great. And so we went to Ikea for dinner, had a bunch of laughs, ate some meatballs, uh, and then rolled off to Mission Central, which is a church in Burnaby. And when we got there, I was expecting there to be hundreds, if not thousands of people there. Um, but the parking lot was really empty. And so I called a youth pastor friend, uh, and then he didn't pick up. So I called another youth pastor friend, and he did pick up. And I asked him, he was like, oh, yeah, it's at Mission Central, which is what Missions Fest is now called. It's by the Mission Central, like, conference or something like that anyways and it was all downtown vancouver so we were a good 40 minutes late but we did show up just in time for a little bit of worship and the keynote speaker and then the final worship set and we were there i think with um it was between 1500 and 2000 people um all of them youth it was a youth rally so all of them were youth or leaders and it was just really good to be a part of um we talk about the body of christ of course and this is the extended body of christ mm. so it was it ended up being a really really good night i know the youth loved it i know the leaders did as well um, which is good. And I also want to highlight one other moment in mission that hasn't happened yet. It's happening this weekend. If you are listening to this and you are interested in either joining um, a team of our congregation um, supporting the Gateway of Hope, which is a, a homeless shelter just down the road from our church, the part of the Salvation Army. Uh, if you're interested in, in joining us as we support them, we are meeting at the Gateway of Hope this Saturday at 5 p.m. to go on the coldest night of the year walk. So join us for that. If you don't want to walk, please consider donating as well. 
Thank you all for joining us today. As we step out of the narthex and into everyday white life, we ask that you keep the conversations about faith going with people around you. Thank you for joining us this week on behalf of Chris and Josh. This is Kevin saying God bless you and go in peace. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>